Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. And in this episode, we have got a slight slant to things and something I think you're going to find really interesting. This gentleman is an internet entrepreneur and has been for over 20 years. He was part of a team that put together the strategy to grow a YouTube channel from zero to the biggest channel on YouTube, which took about seven years. That was then sold for well, an undisclosed amount of money, but an amount that you probably couldn't spend in a lifetime. He now dedicates his life to a number of other businesses, including consultancy, which helps people grow YouTube channels, as well as a couple of YouTube channels of his own. Please welcome Pete Bennett. Pete, how are you? Hello, James. I'm great. Thanks. And thanks for the invitation uh, to, uh, to talk on your podcast. Looking forward to it very much. No, it's great to have you on. Thanks. It's been a while since we've seen each other. It's, I think back then you were um, looking at uh, your translation business and, and in the in the midst of the YouTube growing stuff. And mm-hmm. So t- tell me all about what you're up to these days. Well, as I say, last time um, that we met, as you said, I was involved in the translation business. I used to have a company called London Translations, which I sold. Um, I had another conference call business at that time called ozone conferencing um which i'll get back to in a minute because surprisingly that was the genesis for the um the world beating youtube channel i still have a another conference call company which is an online one um everything is automated most of the customer service is automated so that leaves me free uh to concentrate on youtube which I, i think is my passion because it helps people with a message uh, get out to the world and it's free and that's uh i'm from yorkshire and free is yorkshire's favorite price <laughs> <laughs> my dad was a yorkshireman so it's it's kind of half in my blood as well if, yeah. if he'd been scottish as well we'd have uh, we have a lot to talk about. yeah we'd have a handle on costs wouldn't we james yeah uh, absolutely well, as, as as you know i'm a good accountant at heart and so uh, that's always a nice thing is uh is, is keeping the cost down. How do you grow a YouTube channel for nothing to the biggest in the world? How does that work? Well, it basically comes back to the things that I've always um, held dear and, and always also taught when I, um, you know, when I speak about internet marketing. And, and that is flipping the supply and demand mantra that we're always taught uh, at school or uh, if you went to uh, to business school, perhaps you'd, you'd learn about supply and demand. And I've always wondered why um, that's the case, because uh, if you think about it, demand comes before supply in the alphabet. And in my opinion, it should come um, before supply when you're when you're doing a business. So right. most Internet marketers, I think, uh, understand that concept. And what we do, what we do is we look for niches. Mm-hmm. And at the time I had my 
um, ozone conferencing company, one of my employees who later became a friend um, was dabbling in internet marketing and YouTube particularly. I taught him about uh, you know, looking for areas of demand and then providing the supply. And uh, we're going back now, say, seven years or so, maybe eight now, mm-hmm. when YouTube was um, less of a way of life, I guess, and more of an emerging platform. Right. And we did some demand and supply analysis and found that there was um, a gap in the market for nursery rhymes for children. Okay. And uh, it just so happened sometimes planets line up and he um had a, a wife who you know is an excellent designer and um you know was very good at designing cute uh, cartoon type character or animation type characters and to cut a long story short um he eventually left my company and set up his own uh, company he and his wife uh, producing children's nursery rhymes for youtube okay now, that's very simplistic. What we've done there, I guess, is we'd proven that there was a demand, um, in which case it was worth producing the supply. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of it uh, comes down to um, sort of, I, I guess, in the old world prior to YouTube, you would call it SEO, search engine optimization. Yeah. Um, but really, um, YouTube's algorithm is is not the same as a standard search engine. It's really all about uh, pleasing the the YouTube version of the search algorithm if you like and getting your videos in front of people who want to see them because um really you can you can see youtube youtube's algorithm really as the customer in this instance what we need to do is is please the youtube algorithm um Mm -hmm. and it will then produce it will then show our content uh, to its viewers and the way that you make money on YouTube, or at least one way, is uh, YouTube um, will split advertising revenues that advertisers pay to have shown on your videos mm-hmm. with you as the creator. And it actually gives you 55%, which is quite generous. Right, okay. Um, so there's a route to market. And all you have to do is, as I used to say, basically find out what they want, give it to them, rinse, repeat, buy a big house or several big houses. <laughs> There, there is a, a there's a kind of tipping point with YouTube, isn't there? Don't you have to have a certain number of followers and a certain number of views and things before you can get involved in advertising? Yeah, you do. I mean, it changes all the time, uh, but you really want to be um, you know, looking to maximise the number of, of views. Although to be really pedantic about that now, James, it's not so much the number of views; it's the number of minutes that your videos are viewed. Right. So. Um, yeah, subscribers are, are good. They're, they're, they're good for bragging rights and they're good for the algorithm. But it's it's really a question of, if you think about it, producing content that people want to watch. Yeah. So therefore, finding a demand and then supplying it. Uh, and of course, there are many ways of structuring videos to make them more appealing to the viewers. Um, and therefore, you rack up view minutes, which equate almost linearly to you know to money, um, mm-hmm. but also to the channel's growth. Because um, the one thing that will make your, your channel grow is if you produce videos that people want to watch. It, it sounds very simplistic when you put it like that. But mm-hmm. if you think about it, YouTube's business model is all about keeping eyeballs on YouTube so that they can sell advertising space to them. Yeah. No, it's, um, I, I, it's interesting when people start talking about things like supply and demand and, and why it's the wrong way around. And, um, you know, you just have to look at, 
and I harp on about my kids on this podcast all the time, but you know, they don't use a television. They use YouTube. And if, you, if my daughter were home now, she'd be watching somebody crafting or someone making slime or goodness knows what. Um, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> who knew a few years ago that slime was going to be such a, a moneymaker for the people who have the right channels? Um, it, it makes absolute sense what you're saying. When businesses, though, are looking at their marketplaces, they tend to look for niches to 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 get involved with and to to exploit. Does it work that way with YouTube as well? Yeah. I mean, if you produce compelling content, you can make money in pretty much any niche. But if you're going into YouTube, um, you know, as a standalone business specifically to make money on YouTube, then mm-hmm. you, know, you would perhaps uh, look at the the demand and supply numbers and then create a business uh, to, to fit that demand. I mean, slime is a is a great example, isn't it? For people that don't know what slime is, it's kind of uh, stuff that kids play with. I guess we used to have plasticine and Play-Doh yeah. in our yeah. day. Now it's uh, this kind of slimy stuff that you can actually make. I mean, it's not difficult to make. But that suddenly became a real sort of fad, mm. and lots of people have made lots of money producing videos about that. But I think it's transient and it won't last forever. Now, if you're in the business of, say, being an accountant or being a lawyer or, I don't know, pick a niche, the chances are if you go onto YouTube, you will find some videos which are related to the niche that you're already in. Mm -hmm. But also you'll almost certainly find that most of them are not very good. Right. So let's use an accountant as an example. I just picked that at random. Okay, what as an accountant can you provide that would add add value to um, your existing client base but maybe also uh, prospects as well what what content can you put out that will help people and therefore uh, get them to tune in and watch your videos as opposed to the other terrible ones that are out there mm-hmm. and therefore build that all-important know, like, and trust relationship, which would then end up with people uh, coming to you rather than perhaps cheaper competition and hiring you as, because you're you're the expert in the field as opposed mm-hmm. to just another commoditized accountant providing compliance services, of which I'm sure if I did a Google here sitting in central London, there would be no shortage, no shortage of them. And that's that's got to be the the hardest part for someone in a profession, doesn't it? Because it is fairly standard stuff that they do. So what? How do they? If I'm sat there with my, you know, my accountancy firm, I've got my my standard, you know, departments. Um, how do I stand out? Well, you you would stand out on YouTube by being uh, a prolific uh, quality content provider. And when I say quality, I don't necessarily mean production values quality mm-hmm. but quality of advice yeah one thing i think in professional services uh, that many people neglect and i know i was guilty of this when i ran my translation company is that you assume what's obvious to you because you're in the profession yeah. must be obvious to other people as lay people mm-hmm. and it really isn't for instance yeah. i don't know tax tips um i i know a little bit about business obviously but um you know, is it better to take money out of the company as salary or is it better to take it as dividends or is it better to wait till the end of the year and then name the baby? Because you can decide later based yeah, upon yeah. the uh, the company's performance, whether it's going to be classed as dividends or salary. Now, m- most people probably have no idea that there are 
those choices or what the implications of those choices are. So um, a very good way of, uh, of um, starting out would be to produce some question and answer type videos. So maybe, you know, you answer the top, I don't know, seven, five, ten uh, questions that most small businesses have about tax but can't find a definitive answer to. I mean, that, that would be a right. great video in itself, wouldn't it? Do you know, it's... Um... It's really interesting. I know that I struggle a lot with some of my clients when I start talking to them about giving away their expertise. Um, they don't want to do it because they think it's, uh, you know, if, if someone wants that advice, they pay for it. But actually, the reality of something like YouTube is that it's a place where you can go for high quality advice that doesn't cost you anything. And actually, that draws you to the businesses. Completely, because they're seen businesses with a good presence are seen as authorities um, and YouTube is great because it can act as a repository um, for your calendar of work so mm -hmm. let's just say you know, over time you've, you've built up a, a few hundred videos or, or even a hundred videos even 50 videos um, and your competitors are nowhere to be found on YouTube then you're you're seen as the person to go to because you are the one with the body of work that supports your expertise and underlies your your authority and your credibility. Okay. Um, but it's an effort to do that, and I realise that small businesses, you know, often don't have the resources to you know, to, to dedicate to you know, just producing daily videos or weekly videos or monthly videos. Um, but one format that I've had very good success with myself and also with my clients is to go low tech um, yep. just to use a smartphone. And uh, I know you've done some of these as well, haven't you, James? You, you just walk and you talk. Well, do you know, it started with you, Pete. Really? Uh, because we met and you'd done some videos of you walking down a street on your, your morning walk in the park or whatever you were doing. That's right, yeah. And I talked to you about it and I was saying to you, so many people do video and so much of it looks like it's been done by a professional, but actually it looks really crap because they've tried to make it look professional, but they're not professional. Um, and you said, well, why don't you just talk into a thing? And it's actually you either go super low tech and do it yourself and it looks low tech or you get it done professionally, but nothing in between. Yeah. Yeah. So I started talking to my phone and I've just, I've just racked up number 500. I've gone on and actually got rid of a heap of them that were, were kind of duplicate in thoughts, but um, yeah, it's dead easy to do. You just have to you do it really. Yeah. The, the, the thing that most people or that stops most people producing videos is nothing to do with technology. It's fear of pressing record, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, to get back to your, you, you know your, your point um you went ahead and you started doing it and now you're getting results well what a surprise you know if you hadn't have done mm -hmm. them you wouldn't have got the results and the great thing yeah. about using smartphones is that it gives you permission um de facto to drop your production values um but it doesn't give you permission to put out bad information and most people yeah. will will not really care about the background and the the, the medium so much as the information the only th caveat i would say to that is please make sure that the audio is good it doesn't really matter about the video quality um as much ironically yeah. but people really need to be able to hear the audio clearly otherwise they'll bail on you um yeah i know you do get the odd, odd bit of wind noise and stuff at yeah, times which can, yeah. can be irritating yeah. for people 
But you know, anyone listening to this podcast now, um, probably by virtue of the fact that they're listening to this podcast, has enough technology to start making videos. What they probably don't have yet is the mindset or the appreciation of why they should be doing it. Well, you know, I would if anybody asked me, should I do it? The answer is yes. And if they ask me what they should do it on, I say just start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's uh, because the, you're right. P- pressing record is the hardest bit. You do find yourself hiding in car parks and things to start with, and then eventually you find yourself on trains, on on platforms, or stations, walking down the street. You just don't care anymore because you're so used to doing it. Exactly. Um, and th- there is also a mindset, um, I think, around feeling uh, or, or sort of fearing rejection, and also mm-hmm. this kind of strange feeling of sort of shouting into the void particularly when you start out you think well you know who the hell wants to listen to me you know I'm not getting any I'm not getting any feedback you know the channel's growing slowly you know I'm not getting a lot of engagement but what you tend to forget and this has happened to me on one memorable occasion but um you know also smaller sort of um less dramatically over time I was waiting at Green Park tube station and this, uh, mm-hmm. this is after I lost a bit of weight doing the, the walking every morning. But some bloke okay. come running up, up to me on the platform, shook my hands and says, I know you, you're Pete. I used to watch your videos when you were fat and then ran off. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's like, I, I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or not, but I had no idea who he was. But because, right. because when you, you're producing videos, you're looking directly into the person's eyes who is watching clearly he thought he knew yep. me because that's a very which is which is lovely isn't yeah. it <laughs> if it'd been much nicer if he'd said pete i've been watching your videos for some time and my word you're looking really good at my age i'll take any compliment i can get <laughs> and the um and the production quality thing you talked about there again can you be? Can you try to be too fancy? Well, I yeah. I mean, I used to have a full blown studio with green screen and you know all all of the stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, honestly, I got more engagement with the walking and talking. Again, the fact that you're walking and talking has a psychological effect in that people want to feel like they're coming with you on a journey. Um, right now, if you're sitting at a desk. And it's all very posh and your hair's perfect and nice green screen and it's all very slick. Um, it feels more like watching traditional media, doesn't it? It feels like watching a you know a Paxman mm-hmm. type interview. Yeah. And you're never going to be as good as Paxman at, um, at interview technique, I suspect, because that, that was his you know trade for many years. But the, thing, yeah, but yeah. the walking and talking, um, they feel like they're coming with you. They feel like they're part of your day. And you, more of your personality can come through because you're less afraid of being... In, in inverted commas, professional. And what does what does professional mean? I mean, it, it means providing what people want. I think, and it, I don't necessarily think that sitting at a desk in a you know thousand pound a day studio is any better than wandering around the park and a few dogs bark. You know, of course they do. But you're in a park, and everybody will forgive that. Well, it's interesting you mentioned dogs. I mean, if I have my dog on a video, I get a hell of a lot more um, more comments than I would if I didn't have her on it. Uh, well, there um, you go. Good investment. But dog. also, yeah, but it's – sorry, you could invest in a dog. Yeah. <laughs> dogs, are, everybody should have a dog. That is that that is an absolutely blanket statement, which is absolutely true. Yeah, dog, dogs and uh, children, but that's that's quite an extreme step, isn't it, to have a child just to get more views on videos. But <laughs> I, I, Yeah, dogs are certainly uh, – uh, 
you know, a, a less of a commitment, I guess, but it's still a great thing. Um, but quality content's the key then. It's about what you say, not how you say it's it. It's about what you say, um, but but how you say it does come into it in that it's how you right. structure the video. Um, right. If you've seen some of the things I've put on Facebook recently, one of the, uh, the biggest mistakes that people make um, is they go to Fiverr or they have a, you know, a child or a, a friend who's a bit handy with video and mm -hmm. they get one of these fantastic intros. You know, it's very exciting. There's lots of music, maybe fireworks going off and logos spinning around and it's, I don't know, five seconds. In some instances, I've seen them as much as 15 seconds. Um, right. And if you look at the analytics, as I do with a lot of my clients, because we go in and we actually find out, you know, what's what's working and what's not. If you, mm -hmm. if you go and have a look at most of the the video retention time, as it's called, which is how long someone watches the video, if you've got a long intro, and by that I mean more than a couple of seconds, perhaps, um, you'll find that you can lose up to half or and sometimes even more um, of your viewers before you speak your first word, first word, because people don't want to waste time with um, you know with flash intros and things. So that mm -hmm. that Fiverr right. that you spent on Fiverr.com getting a an intro is probably costing you success. <laughs> Another good tip is um, rather than starting with, you know, hello, I'm XYZ, you know, the UK's leading accountancy firm, whatever, just go straight into a story halfway through, you know, so I know, say something like, so the Inland Revenue turned up and demanded a £90,000 check. And then say, you know, I'm whatever, introduce yourself and then tell the backstory behind what just happened and how. Now, maybe you can prevent people getting into a, a similar situation by doing some decent tax planning. But but you've really got to grab them and you've got to keep them rather than, um, you know, the traditional uh, kind of presentation format where, you know, you start at the, you introduce yourself, you start at the beginning and then you, you know, you come to an end and then wrap it all up in a bow with a conclusion. I, I don't think that's the way to do that on YouTube at all. So what what you're what I'm getting from what you're saying is it's very much a blogging platform or a blogging style. You know, you hit them with a headline, grab big hook, reel them in, get them listening, leave your point, yeah, off yeah, you go. Yeah, because the one thing you don't want them to do, if you can help it, is stop watching the video. So you've got to keep it interesting um, and keep intrigue mm -hmm. going. Um, I forget the, exactly what the content of the video was, but what, one of my best ones was um, I started off with, so I put the baby in the microwave. Now, I, I was talking about cooking baby <laughs> vegetables or something, um, but obviously, right. you know, who's going to stop watching a video when the first thing someone says is, I put the baby in the microwave? You, you're going to watch it, aren't you? Just to find out what this idiot's up to. Uh, I am. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How does the SEO side work then? Because you said that's different. Um, you know, and now typical understanding of SEO is keyword and, and that, that kind of thing. So we always think of, you know, searches as, as the Google, you know, Google algorithm. Obviously, YouTube's part of Google. But why? how does it work? Instead, you don't, because I don't have a whole lot of keywords to stick on a page. What can I do? Yeah, it, it's, it's different. Um, some of the principles apply. And I'll give you a, a very brief rundown of the things that you should be looking at um, if we have time now. Um, well, please. Yeah. The, the first thing is, and this is keyword related, this is your title. It's the most important um, SEO uh, search based um, item that you can uh, influence. So uh, your title should include your keywords. A lot of 
Okay. A lot of people don't do that. You know, they'll they'll put their name in the title or they'll put um, something which isn't really keyword rich uh, as the title. I would say always the first few few words of the title should be your keyword. So let's use the accountants for instance. You know, rather than than saying you know it's blogs and blogs accounting uh, as the title, um, put something in like I don't know ten tax tips that will save you money, for instance. Right. Um, and then you can put, you know, buy blogs and blogs accounting, but right at the very front, you want to have your your um, keywords. And, that's, and you're not talking about the, the, the channel name here, you're just talking about the individual post. Yeah, the channel name um, is probably one of the least important things in terms of keywords. If, you know, if you do have the choice of setting up a new channel, then by all means, set it up with keywords, you know, if it makes sense for you or if it, if it reads well. But the channel name mm-hmm. isn't that important. Um, you know, for instance, the you know one of my channels, Huggy Bobo, which is nursery rhymes. Uh, you know, rather than calling it nursery rhymes, I would I called it Huggy Bobo, which is a brand name. Uh, yeah. But then the individual videos will be very much titled along uh, keyword terms. Um, typically, the the name of the nursery rhyme that I hope people will be searching for. Um, yeah. So that that appeals to the search component of the algorithm. Um, but the search component is not as important. What's really important is over time getting YouTube's algorithm to suggest your videos to potential viewers. Um, right. So you you can tell when your YouTube channel's doing well when you've got more uh, views from suggested videos in the analytics than from search, because it means that right. you've made friends with YouTube's algorithm. Uh, and it's prepared to suggest your videos to other people's videos over the competition. Um, and that kind of leads me on to the description, which is the next bit, mm-hmm. which again, make it, yep. make it keyword rich, uh, but don't overstuff it. Use things called hashtags in the keywords. You can have up to 15 hashtags. Sorry, use things called hashtags in the description. You can have up to 15 hashtags in a description but only use three because the first three will come up above your video's title uh, and will be indexed by the search algorithm. So you want three hashtags. So to use the accountant's example again, you might put hash uh, tax tips, comma, hash save money, and then hash your brand name at the end of it, blogs accounting, for instance. That wouldn't be a bad bad strategy. Um, I don't want to go too deep into this, but then the next one is tags. Tagging is, in terms of search, the least important. In terms of suggested videos, probably amongst the most important. You need to have a a strong and consistent tagging strategy, which um, can get a little bit complicated, but once you've formulated it, the, the key thing is to stick to it and be consistent. Pete, that's great because it's a, it's a minefield. Some of this stuff, and when you know it, it makes it so much easier. And if people could just be very careful about making sure they, you know, they get the right hashtags, they use them consistently, they put them in the right places, they think about their titles. Then, you know, if it gives you a little, if it gives you two or three more people every time, wonderful. Yeah. Um, if it gives you thousands, yeah. you know, all the better. When we were talking earlier, you mentioned automation and customer service. And automation and customer service are two things which people kind of throw their arms up in horror at sometimes and others say, oh, no, it's the way forward. Does YouTube fit into that process or is that a different thing for you? Well, you, you can automate 
uh, YouTube to a large extent uh, both out of the box and using some fairly cheap add-on tools to um, provide customer service in um, in well, the definition of customer service I mean yeah you can make sure that you get videos out regularly at um, the same time every week for instance so that people know to tune into your channel at say I don't know seven o'clock on a Monday morning there'll always be a new video um, you can use right. automation to do that but I think the content mm -hmm. you're talking about really is once you're running um, a successful business based upon the leads that are coming in from YouTube is how do you how do you handle that and how do you yeah yeah uh, delineate between what's automated and what's um, what's manual um, you know it's no secret I used to use Infusionsoft for for my companies um, mm -hmm. and we used to do a lot of email follow-up uh, and towards the end some text and some messaging follow-up and we invented uh, avatars to do that. So in the translation business, I had a um, an avatar an avatar called uh, Jennifer Ball, who um, you know we used to refer to as customer service rep. So you know she would uh, through the magic of Infusionsoft send out follow up emails after we delivered the translation jobs, um, checking that everything was okay, and maybe you know asking asking for feedback. Um, if the feedback was positive. Um, then Jennifer would thank them and um, you know add them to the newsletter list and keep in touch. If the feedback was negative, then Jennifer Ball, who is software, would then give way to one of my staff, who I used to refer to as wetware, who would then get on the phone and make it real. So right. um, it, I, my philosophy has always been use hardware and software to do what can be automated and routine business as usual, and then intervene with wetware where necessary, because wetware has the, you know, the, the, the ability to be more flexible, obviously, than than so-called AI, because um, a lot of AI isn't that intelligent right now, is it? I'm sure it'll get better, uh, but I think it's a question of using scarce resources because wetware is very expensive. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, we we were turning over a, a million and a half pounds with about five or six full-time staff in, in an office uh, we couldn't have done that without um, automation no that's uh, that a lot of businesses will look at that and go oh, really that's yeah. fantastic yeah um but the I, 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 ai is an interesting um we're, we're very much at the beginning of the ai curve aren't we um it's a lovely idea it'll get to a point i think eventually where we'll wonder how we existed without it but being able to do things like automate that, that service follow-up, I think is quite nice. I also love the fact that you then have a human being get involved when they need to. Yeah, um, and if you do it well, I mean, we I think we did it reasonably well over time. People start writing to the avatar as if it's a real person. Um, we even had, right. um, probably shouldn't mention it on the podcast, but let, let's just say that she had a number of proposals and they weren't all decent. Um <laughs> Goodness. One one, uh, one guy kept trying to invite Jennifer out for um for dinner. I said, well, she she's not she's sort of sits under my desk most of the day. And then I told her it was a Dell server that it was running on. So uh, yeah, I think he was disappointed. Oh, dear me, um, how fantastic! Yet another amazing thing I've learnt by podcasting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> people make proposals, do AI, uh, and send and send pictures, and some of the pictures well, made me feel inadequate. Let's put it that way. Oh, goodness me. No, let's stop right there. But, um, but a lot of AI there's, there's, at the moment is kind of special needs, isn't it? I mean, it, it, yeah. it's called intelligence, but, you know, a lot of it is it's just not that clever yet, really. 
Well, it's 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 just running on if then yeah. protocol, isn't it? Yeah. Most of the time, yeah, it's a big bus. What's what's your big tip, Pete? I mean, you've given us loads of thoughts and loads of tips, and I, I really appreciate that. So, thank you. What's your number one tip? What's the big thing you'd like to leave people with today that they could do in their businesses to make it better today and better for the years to come? Well, the, the kind of global statement would be to go back to what I said at the beginning: is do some research and find out what people want and then give it to them. Whether that's um, uh, you know, in business generally or specifically on YouTube, and the great thing about YouTube is YouTube will part with most of the numbers, so it's quite easy to assess demand and supply. Um, don't make life too difficult for yourself. Why, why try and push rocks up hills or make um, you know, sales calls trying to sell stuff people don't want when you can find out what they want uh, I was going to say tease, but tease is the wrong word. But um, expo, um, showcase what you've got and what they want on YouTube and then wait for mm-hmm. them to call you and then make sure that you have really good customer service so that you continue to follow up with those people um, using automation or using wetware if necessary. But but do the follow up, you know, find out what they want and sell it to them. Rinse, repeat, buy a big house. That's it. That's all I've ever done. Pete, that's fantastic. Thank you very, very much. But I'm going to ask you another question, which I don't normally do. I know you've got your your slow TV channel, which um, oh, yeah. which <laughs> tell me why okay. <laughs> who watches you on the tube? Yeah, the cha- well, the channel name is Go Slow TV. So if you go onto YouTube, it's just YouTube slash car uh, YouTube dot com slash Go Slow TV. So. Uh. Uh, and those are by design the most boring videos on YouTube. <laughs> and the reason that I did it, James, is to, uh, as a teaching vehicle, as much as anything else, to show people that if you do things right um, by optimizing, structuring, uploading, basically all of the things that I teach, then mm-hmm. even you know my trip to work, a tube journey or a bus journey, um, can get thousands of views every day i mean i'm just looking now at the moment i'm doing um every 48 hours there's nearly 9000 people watching those videos and it, on occasions it goes up to 60 or 70000 every 48 hours it's like listen this is a bit of a challenge um if your business can't be made more interesting than my commute then really youtube isn't the problem is it we need to think a bit more about what you're offering and how you're getting people engaged in terms of marketing so it's a teaching vehicle as much as anything else but it does prove the point that if you do things right um you can pretty much be successful on youtube whatever you're doing because bus journeys tube journeys videos of my washing machine um hours of, of boats going by duck ponds all sorts of nonsense people will watch it fantastic pete thank you so so much for your time it's been great you're welcome Great to talk to you, James. Talk to you again soon. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of The Only One Business Show, and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts. And in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.